0: Can you turn to to Genesis chapter 1 for the first message of 2024? Genesis chapter 1. One of the things that you will probably not hear very often in early January any year is, I want to expand. (laughs) Because most of us probably have expanded a little bit uh, over the last few weeks and would rather not expand anymore you don't realize until you put your work clothes back on and suddenly you think goodness some aggressive ex- expansion has taken place uh, and you want to contract a little bit and reduce uh, but I want to expand I want to expand um, God is into expansion he's not into stagnation he's not into retreat he's not into containment God wants his kingdom to expand and I want to read from, from Genesis chapter 1. And I think it would, be, it would be right to say, I'm going to read verses 26 to 28. I, I think when God speaks in verse 28, now he has spoken obviously in the early part of Genesis 1 in creation. He has spoken all of the, the world into being, all of the universe into being. But I think verse 28 is the first thing that God speaks God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the ground. Now, if you're looking at the screen and you're wondering why there's no keynote up on the screen, it's because there's no keynote to put up on the screen. It's been one of those weeks. I mentioned last week about screen time and watching your screen time and... I made that my excuse for not having a, a keynote this week. It just uh, screen time has ran away with me. Anyway, God tells his people, his, his first people, his, his, his man and his woman, his male and his female, he says to them, increase in number and fill the earth. God is into the mathematics of addition, right? From the very first chapter of the Bible and the first thing that he says to humanity, he says he wants there to be expansion and increase and spread and growth. The pinnacle of his creation is male and female made in his image. And he wants that image to be carried. You maybe have heard the term image bearers, those who carry the image. He wants the image to be carried and to fill the earth but there's a problem and the problem is how do you fill the earth so put yourself in Adam and Eve's I don't know probably weren't wearing shoes but put put yourself in there weren't wearing anything to be honest like we'll not go any further with that put yourself in their position in the garden and the the command has come that you're to fill the earth and let's imagine they didn't, but let's imagine they had a little sort of time machine and they could see on to Genesis 3. To be put out of the garden was a punishment. So you're in the garden, to leave the garden is a punishment, but God tells them, I want you to fill the earth. How do you do that? How, you know, that sounds like a contradiction. How do you fill the earth without leaving the garden? Because whenever they sin, the, the punishment in Genesis three, if you read or if you slide or you know, swipe or whatever, uh, in Genesis three twenty three, the Lord God banished him from the garden. It was a punishment. Out you go. How on earth are we? Are we? Is humanity meant to fulfil that expansion commission to fill the earth? if leaving the garden and leaving the confines and the boundary of the garden is a negative thing? And the answer is, the garden was supposed to expand. Humanity is to fill the earth by making the garden bigger. The garden is the place in Genesis 1, the garden, or Genesis 1 to 3, that's the place where humanity meets with God. The presence of God and human beings together in communion, life being derived from God, God's influence, God's presence in the garden. Of course, he inhabits the whole universe. But in here, he is He is in the garden with humanity. And what he wants to happen is for the garden to expand, for his presence to spread, for humanity to increase the garden and spread his presence over the whole earth. Adam and Eve did not create a show garden and put a sign at the gate saying, come and visit our garden, RHS, Garden of the Year, whatever year it was, and you can come and you can visit the garden. You ever go to these really nice gardens, like Hillsborough or wherever, and you walk around and think, my goodness, I am a feeble human being. I can't hardly grow a flower at all. And look at this place. Their garden was not like that. It wasn't, they did not invite people to come into the garden. They were called to make the garden bigger, to envelop people. Do you get the difference? It's not, look at our lovely, pretty thing that we have. Why don't you come in and see it? It was, let's expand it and expand it and draw people into the presence of God and let people experience the presence of God. The church tends to invite people into the garden. The commission of God is to increase the garden and make it spread. What I've learned in the past sort of six months or so here, as we've done our couple of fun days, is that whenever we create a space, a sort of an in-between space, people will come and fill it. First time we did it, there's about 120 came, And then we did one here in, in sort of slightly colder weather of November, there were about 80 came. And when we create that in-between space, people come. But when there's the invitation to come to something that looks like church, they don't come. They're not ready for that. They're They're not ready to be invited into a little pretty garden that we think is wonderful. But if we expand it, God will fill it. And people will will come and will enjoy the presence of God. That's what Adam and Eve were called to do. And as you read on throughout the rest of Genesis, you will see repeatedly this commission. It goes to Noah, it goes to Abraham, it keeps on going to the descendants of Abraham to multiply, to expand, to fill the earth. So we start off in our Bibles in Genesis with this call to expansion. And when we get to Exodus or the story of the Exodus and the years after it, it's, it's Deuteronomy that I'm going to, you'll see the same thing again. We could probably open them back doors before somebody melts. Anybody else in, under the threat of melting right now? Yeah, I'm getting a few nods from the men. No. <laughs> okay. Just open one of the doors then. In, in Deuteronomy 11, Moses reminds the people of what, of what God has said to him. In verse, verse 22 of, of Deuteronomy 11, If you carefully observe all these commands I am giving you to follow, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to hold fast to him, then the Lord will drive out all these nations before you, And you will dispossess nations larger and stronger than you. Every place where you set your foot will be yours. Your territory will expand from the desert to Lebanon and from the Euphrates River to the Western Sea. No man will be able to stand against you. The Lord your God, as he promised you, will put the terror and fear of you on the whole land, wherever you go. God promises through Moses that for a people who love him, who love him, not a people who are presumptuous, not a people who who step out arrogantly without him, but a people who love him, who walk in his ways and hold fast to him, that there will be an increase. Verse 25 talks about extension, or verse 24, your territory will extend. And the promise that wherever you set your foot, that will be yours. Wherever you set your foot. Now that then should issue in some moving of the feet. <laughs> I'm old enough to remember an awful daytime TV show called Supermarket Sweep. <laughs> Does it still exist? Do they do, they do the, the, new episodes or reruns? Oh, yeah. Wow. Nah. <laughs> well... Uh, I can't remember an awful lot about it, but basically, you know, you, you just put as much stuff in your trolley as you could, seemed, seemed to be the way of it, and uh, if, you, if you were told, if you were sort of sent into Tesco with a trolley, and you're told anything you can put in the trolley, it's yours, like, you'd probably move quite quickly, yes, you'd be going at high speed, you would be thinking about where all the really expensive things are, and you'd be ramming them into your trolley within your time limit or whatever. God says to Moses and to his people, I will give you wherever you set your foot. The response to that is to start setting your feet in places, to start expanding and to start moving and to start stepping out because God promises, I will give you everywhere your foot goes. If you sit in the armchair, your feet don't actually cover an awful lot of ground. And God promises this people that there will be extension for those who will move, who will get up and move. And one of the things that he introduces here in the Exodus is that there will be, there's a lovely word in verse 23. The Lord will drive out all these nations before you and you will dispossess. You will dispossess nations larger and stronger than you. As God's people go forth, as the expansion takes place, as they put one foot in front of the other and they move onto new ground, to break new ground, to believe that God will give them wherever they go, there will be a dispossession that will take place. And there will be a driving out of those other influences, those other nations in the context here who held sway on that land. One of the things that has been said to us several times when we've received prophetic ministry as a church from, from people who are not part of the church, not part of this church, is they, they talk about this town having towers in it, established strongholds that have held sway for a long, long time, and that they are deeply rooted and there are deep foundations because they have stood for so long in this town, influencing the town. And God says to his people who will, who will accept this call to expand and this call to step out, that when you do step out, there will be a dispossession that will take place. Those who have held sway, those influences that are ultimately uh, controlled by darkness that have held sway for decades and longer, they will be dispossessed. The, the The foundations of those towers will begin to crumble and the towers will fall, but only when the people move forward. You don't get to sit and watch from a distance while towers fall. Whenever Joshua brought the people to the Jordan River and they had to cross the Jordan, the, the water was, was in flood. It was impossible to go across. And it wasn't until the feet went into the water that the water stopped. They had to step forward. They had to move in faith for God to, to, to then remove or hold back that which was in their way. And it's lovely in verse 24 that the nations that are going to be dispossessed are larger and stronger than you. The things that you look at and you think that's a huge obstacle, a huge stumbling block, can't be done. God says those large strong things will be dispossessed. They will be removed when you step out. And it's at the end of verse 25 that, that this will all happen wherever you go. Again that word go. And Joshua is reminded of If you're in Deuteronomy and you turn a few pages to the right, you'll find Joshua in chapter 1 reminded of exactly the same promise. In in verse 3, I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend. I'll give you every place you set your foot. The promise in verse 5 that no one will stand against you. The call for strength and for courage. And then at the end of verse 9, the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Do you want to enjoy the presence of the Lord? One of the things, as I've just pondered this, is how often the promise of God's presence accompanies the command to go. Go, and I will be with you. Go, and I will be with you. The garden is expanding as God's people step out and follow joshua's leadership in particular and then the same thing happens in the exile there is a call to expansion go to isaiah these these are verses that i I can almost remember the first time i read them you know there's just little passages in your bible and when you're a new christian and for me that was 25 years ago last month you you can you can almost remember the first time you read them. They just got a hold of you and they did something to you. And and these verses in Isaiah fifty-four were were like that for me. Before I read it, I want to tell you the state that God's people were in in exile. And it's it's into that position that the, the word comes to them. In Jeremiah ten, I'm just gonna read one verse so don't bother turning to it. But Jeremiah 10, verse 20, this, this is what the, the people say about the exile that they're in. Listen to the language because we're going to pick it up in Isaiah. My tent is destroyed. All its ropes are snapped. My sons, my children are gone from me and are no more. No one is left now to pitch my tent or to set up my shelter. My tent is destroyed, all its ropes are snapped, my sons are gone from me and are no more. That's the state that the people are in when they are in captivity in Babylon. And it's to that group of people that this word comes through Isaiah in Isaiah 54. So they're still in exile. All all of this is to do with the faith to believe that God is going to do what he said even when all of the circumstances look like he's not, and he can't, and it will not happen. So this is a message not to people coming out of exile or who have returned after exile, but they're still there. And the message in Isaiah 54 verse one says, sing. (laughs) Do you ever not feel like singing? And Aaron gets up and faithfully strums a tune, and leads us in a song, and you're just not up for it. You ever feel like that? These people were not up for singing. In fact, famously, in Psalm 137, they're asked to sing by their captors, and they don't want to do it. Psalm 137, the first few verses, By the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion there on the poplars we hung our harps our guitars or whatever we hung them on a tree because we didn't want to play them there our captors asked us for songs our tormentors demanded songs of joy they said sing us one of the songs of zion how can we sing the songs of the lord while in a foreign land god commands them to sing While they're in exile, Isaiah 54 1, sing. And the the image for God's people here is the image of a barren woman. Sing, O barren woman. What has she got to sing about? Nothing. What have they got to sing about? Nothing. And yet, God commands them to sing. Church, whenever you don't want to sing and you choose to sing, that is a defiant act of faith. You're like, oh, I'm just singing a wee song. You're not. Whenever you're in a position in life like these people in exile represented by this woman in Isaiah 54.1 and you don't feel you have anything to sing about, the command of the Lord comes, sing. It's an act of warfare. It's an act of faith, an act of defiance. Sing anyway. And singing in, in the scriptures is frequently connected with the miraculous birth of something new. In, in 1 Samuel, when Hannah gives birth to Samuel, she sings. And in, in Luke 1, pregnant Mary sings the Magnificat, and, and Zechariah sings, you know, regarding the birth of John the Baptist. Singing is frequently connected with the birth of something new. So this, this barren woman is told to sing, which is one thing that seems a bit odd. Another thing she's told to do in verse 2 is. Enlarge the place of your tent. Make a bigger house. I don't need a bigger house. Why would I have a bigger house? There's no one to put in it. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. And remember the way the people felt. Summed up by Jeremiah in chapter 10, verse 20 that we read a few minutes ago. They're in exile and their cords are broken and there's nobody to put up a tent and their sons are gone. And yet God comes to them with this word, enlarge the place of your tent, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. That call to increase, that call to make room Because in verse 3 it says, you will spread out. You will expand to the right and to the left. God calls his people to enlarge and to make room. Because expansion is coming. And it's a frequent theme in the scriptures where God calls us to make space so he can fill it. In fact, the very creation story itself, if you read it, you will note that the first three days of creation, God creates spaces. He takes that which had no form, was formless, and He creates land and sea and sky, and He creates all of these spaces. And then in the second three days of creation, He fills those spaces. The earth was formless and empty. He first of all creates form and structure and space and then he fills it. And it's what God calls us to do. Create spaces in faith for him to then come and fill them. You see it in 2 Kings a couple of times with Elisha. In 2 Kings 3 there's no rain and Elisha commands the people to go into the valley and dig ditches. And the next day, the ditches are full of water. But the ditches had to be dug. There had to be that moving forward in faith of creating a space for the water to flow. In Second Kings 4, there's a woman who has ran out of oil. And Elisha says, go round all your neighbors and get all the empty jars that you can. And God fills them one after another. He fills them until the last one is filled that principle of of making a space and then God coming and filling it. In verse two of Isaiah 54, stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. There's a sense of straining and effort and maximizing. He he does not tell them to be cautious. John Oswald commenting on this says, err on the side of excess rather than limitation. When God tells you to expand, when God tells you to make more space, err on the side of excessive space rather than little. Do not hold back. And here is where the faith is for this woman who who represents the nation. The faith is to respond and make the space before there's anything there to fill it. Before there's anything there to fill it that God has spoken and invited expansion. Step out and create. Don't wait until there's a host of people standing waiting to fill a space. Make the space first. And again, we see the theme in verse three. You will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations. Make the space. God fills the space and dispossesses whatever was previously there." Do not hold back. And the expansion in verse 3 is to the right and it's to the left. It's similar to Genesis 28 where God speaks to, to Jacob and says that your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west, to the east, to the north and to the south. Increasing on multiple fronts at the same time. All of this talk of enlargement has to start... In one particular place. If you have got the ESV of Psalm one hundred and nineteen thirty two, it's lovely the way the ESV renders it. it says I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. Do you need to enlarge your heart? Do you need God to enlarge your heart? Because before something can happen externally, it's got to happen internally. God says to his people, rend your heart. People had this this thing where they would tear their garments if they were lamenting about something or repenting. And it was like an outward show. God says to them, rend your heart, not your garments. He says to them, have a circumcision that is of the heart, that is inward rather than outward. And he talks in Psalm 119 about the heart being enlarged. I am praying for increase this year. And that just sounds like some nonsense you would hear on Christian TV. You know, increasing my salary and increasing... In no, I'm praying for a, an enlarged heart. Not in the medical realm, but in the spiritual realm. I want an enlarged heart that is Bigger and that accepts more of what God wants to do. I'm praying for increase in faith, not just an enlarged heart, but Lord, increase our faith. Was the cry of the disciples. I'm praying as James tells us to do for more wisdom. Let let this be a year of greedy praying. <laughs> more, 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 more. Not for for material possessions or any of that nonsense. But but a big heart, a big faith, a big wisdom to be able to then expand outwardly from that place. Psalm 119, I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. I think one of the ways that we can enlarge our heart and allow God to place within us a dream of expansion is by more and more contact with his commandments, with his word. The more we know him, the more we learn of him, the more we read about him, the more we listen to him, the more our heart is expansive and able to receive a vision for what he wants to do. And before we get to to the New Testament to finish, one more place in the Old Testament where we we read, I'm sure there's others, but one more that came to mind is in Daniel chapter 2. That again is a picture of how God wants to expand and fill. Daniel chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream and it troubles him. He sees a great statue representing lots of kingdoms. And then he sees the statue being hit by a rock. In in verse 34 of Daniel 2, while you were watching a rock was cut out but not by human hands it struck the statue all these kingdoms of the world all these kingdoms of men it struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them then the iron the clay the bronze the silver and the gold were broken to pieces At the same time and became like chaff on a threshing floor in the summer. That's what man can build. That's what it ends up being like when the kingdom of God hits it. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace. But the rock, the rock that struck the statue. The statue represents uh, those ancient kingdoms of Greece and Persia and Rome. And whenever the rock is struck or whenever the rock strikes the statue and it falls, it says at the end of verse 35, the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. Man's kingdoms hit by this rock that has not been cut out by human hands. And then the rock increases and increases and increases to become a mountain that fills the earth. And Daniel explains it in verse 44 And says, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. God's kingdom is that expanding rock, that expanding mountain that fills the whole earth. God does not change his mind. He does not do things one way and then go to plan B. From the start of this book and from the start of history, he has wanted a people who will expand. (laughs) and fill the earth. And when we get into the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 28, we have the same thing again at the very end of the book of Matthew. The the Great Commission. Jesus says in verse 19 of Matthew 28, go. Same word again, go. Make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the end of the age. You see again, the command to go, the command to expand, make disciples of all nations. It's the same thing again, expand the garden, make it bigger. It's the same thing in Isaiah 54. I didn't mention it, but in Isaiah 54, all that language of a tent getting bigger. What happened in a tent in the Old Testament? God's presence met with his people in the tabernacle. Expanding the garden, expanding the tent, increasing the place where God can meet with people. And in the Great Commission in the New Testament, in case you think something changes, it doesn't. God still wants the same thing an expansion of his presence that fills the earth. And, and again, there is that promise or there, that command to go, which is connected with Jesus' promise, I will be with you. I will be with you. If we want to experience his presence more, then we need to get in tune with his mission more. Because that repeated command to go is connected with that repeated promise of presence. My presence will be with you when you go. And we're all called to go. The question is, where, where do we go? Some go across the world. Some go across the street. We all go. We all put one foot in front of the other and we go somewhere and carry God's presence and expand the garden. In Acts chapter 1 then, after Jesus' death and resurrection, he commands his followers that they're going to go to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. Nothing's changed. We're still into expansion here. And it sounds a bit like everywhere you put your foot. The early church in the book of Acts didn't move fast enough and they had to be persecuted in order to get them scattered and get them moving and get them with the program. But the disciples had been worried in John 14 when Jesus was telling them about the fact that he was going to go away, they were worried about how they could continue without him. And he promises them the Holy Spirit. He tells them that the Father is going to send the Spirit. And in Acts chapter 2, that happens the Holy Spirit falls on the church and creates this powerful place in the upper room. Well, there's about 120 of them. Tongues of fire, worship, praise, just this this incredible picture of what's going on there. But they did not go outside the upper room and put a sign out saying, meeting here tonight, 7.30, all welcome. They went outside. They did not invite people in. Just like Adam and Eve in the garden were not meant to put a sign at the gate inviting people to come in and enjoy their cute little garden, they were called to expand the garden. In Acts chapter 2, the early church, filled with the Spirit, did not invite people to come into the upper room. The early church went out. Expansion, growth, spread. And most of the action in the book of Acts happens on the street in the marketplace, in the towns, not in the upper room. Yes, they will go back to the upper room and they will pray and the room will shake with the presence of God. There there will be, of course, times when God's people are together and are crying out to him. But most of their time in the book of Acts, they're outside. They're expanding and they're turning the world upside down with the presence of God. So I guess... Yeah, as I finish, the, the thinking here is is due to the reflection on the last few months and the fact that when a space is made, it gets filled. Now, I, I don't know about you but I'm fairly sure that all of us if if we were at the the first fun day down the park were blown away by the number of people who came to that. It's just ridiculous. Who are who are these people? <laughs> Uh, and then the same thing here. We did it here again. How? Where have they all come from? And although we weren't involved in organising it, the, the event that happened up at the, the castle at the start of December just phenomenal. Once a space was created for people, even though it wasn't created with with a distinct Christian ethos, but once a space was created, people flocked to it. And I. And I th- and, and then also the fact that we had put out an invitation for some Christmas services. And I'm uh, not annoyed about this, but literally not one person came to that. That's because we're not meant to, in, to just invite them into the garden. We're meant to make the garden bigger. We encounter God in this place. God's call to us is create more places where people can encounter me and there might not be any preaching involved and there might not be any singing involved but create spaces expand the garden so that people can encounter my presence in different places wherever that may be and I, I believe this, the first word of 2024 I'd suggested last week one of the words for the year might be the word no <laughs> and I want to suggest another potential word for the year might be the word expand the word go Go Make space, and I will fill it. Make space. Be encouraged by the things that we've seen and by the, the steps that we've taken, and be emboldened by that to take more steps and to create more space and allow God to fill it. So many of his promises about his presence, as I've said already, are associated with us going. Yet still, and confession time here for me, still I sometimes lapse into thinking that if we step out with pure hearts to love people, to share the goodness of God, to build relationships and connections, to aim for restoration and renewal, to see dispossession of of existing influences and towers, there's there's part of me that still stupidly thinks that if we do all of that with a pure heart, for some reason, God will stay behind and say, you're on your own. <laughs> and, and we'll be left hanging, looking stupid. He'll not. Okay, I just don't believe he will. I don't believe, there's so few times, and you read your Bible, there are so few times where God says to his people, I'm not going with you. And there are times of profound idolatry and arrogance on the part of the people. Whenever Achan has kept the the, the idols in Joshua chapter 7 and the people try to go to war, God doesn't go with them. And whenever in Exodus, Moses is pleading with God for his presence to go with his people, uh, God has said that he's not going with his people. And that's because immediately prior to that, they were worshipping a golden calf. So the times when God says, I'm not with you, are times of utter rebellion. I don't think we need to fear that. And I think we can, we can lay hold on, a, on a, the encouragement of recent months and we can lay hold on the call of God to expand and step out with pure hearts in faith to love people and see his kingdom come and be quite confident that he will go to, <laughs> That he's not going to just stay, stay back and leave us too. Yeah. So expansion—the the, the the word I want you to ponder uh, for a day or two and maybe longer. Let's pray and let's worship.